0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
2: Hello, what a beautiful Friday, and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by Armani Buckets and Brandon Deutsch, G. Hey Wiley. Is get getting up there in age. She's getting old. I tease because we are the same age, but she's not feeling well, folks. She is getting better, but um, she will not be joining us today. But a lot to get into, guys. Well, what did you think about the games
0: last night? I'm upset the Kings lost, and you know we said we hopped. I hopped on the bandwagon on the last uh, the last win, so now I'm upset that they're 0-1 with me on the bandwagon. So maybe not a good idea.
3: Yeah. Yeah, um I, you know, we all predicted the Kings would win and what can you do? Hopefully they win another road game in game 7. All right, with that said, let's get to today's headlines
2: brought to you by Circus Sports. <laughs>
0: Alright, so last night Evander Kane's second goal late in the third period gave the Oilers a 4-2 victory over the LA Kings in Game 6 of the Western Conference first round series. Edmonton will host the winner-take-all Game 7 Saturday night. The road team has won four times in this series. Can the Kings make it 5-5? and win on Saturday in advance.
2: I think they can, and I'll tell you why, because I'm not going to be there. I went to the game. I know we talked about this. I've been bad luck for the Kings, but I said, listen, I'm going to sit up with the real fans, the true fans, up in the 300s. The Kings are not going to know I'm there. I'm going to be very quiet. Let them do their thing. But, like, this is bad luck. And so, anyways, like, you know, uh, they uh, took a 2-0 lead. The Kings tied a 2-2 about 6 minutes to go and I'm feeling a Kings score here. They can come back and win. Did they end up losing? I mean, I love this Kings team. They've been fantastic. I caught up with Kayla. Kayla was there. Um so I do think that the Kings can come back and win game 7 and you touched on it that the road team has won four times so far through six games. So I definitely think that they can. It's going to be tough I do think that this young Kings team, going through this postseason, going through a a seven-game series, can lay the groundwork for the future. So, like, I don't have any delusions of grandeur that this team's going to go on a Stanley Cup run like they did in 2012 and 2014. But I do think that just this experience of going through a seven-game series, going on the road, going to Canada, that's always a tough thing to do come postseason— I don't know if they're gonna win. I am gonna predict that they are gonna win game seven, but just going through this playoff series will do wonders for this team.
0: It's not ideal, because you would have hoped that they would have closed it out at home. Yeah. But they've shown that they can win on the road. Both teams have shown that they can win on the road in this series. I still have hope for the LA Kings. And like you said, Arash, even if they were to lose, this wouldn't be the end all be all because this is a young team that's gaining experience. And at the end of the day, experience for next season when they're a little bit older, a little bit wiser, is going to go and pay dividends. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, we'll see. I I think the Kings can still pull it out in Game 7. This is a gritty, resilient team. They love to win on the road, so we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, I mean, but my thing is I really wanted to be there. Playoff hockey back in Los Angeles, sold-out crowd. It was not a cheap ticket. Again, no Lakers, no Clippers, but I did want to go there. How was the atmosphere? It was fantastic. You know what I mean? What happens is Los Angeles is a town that when you're winning, they get behind the team. So, I mean, the struggle was... When they went down 2-0, that, you know, you know, they kind of deflated the crowd. But then the Kings tied it up 2-2, third period. It was electric. It was a fantastic atmosphere. So, again, hoping that the Kings can win and then bring it back here for
0: round two. Yeah, likewise. Jimmy Butler scored 32 points, and then he waved bye-bye to the (laughs) Philadelphia crowd as he sent the Heat to the Eastern Conference Finals with a 99-90 victory over the Sixers on Thursday night. The Heat will play the winner of the Bucks and Celtics series. Can the Heat go back to the finals for the second time in three years.
2: I think they can. I don't think that they will, and we touched on this before. I do think that the winner of the milwaukee Boston Celtics series, and I do think it will be Milwaukee, will go on to, to the finals. But this Miami Heat team is very good, and I, I told a ton of people this. Um, when the Heat went to the finals and they lost to the Lakers in 2020, I said all the teams that went at least to the conference finals were in the bubble for 100 days. And I said, I don't think during a short, truncated offseason, if you were there for an extended period of time, if you got to the finals, if you got to the conference finals, you were toast for next season. It's interesting now. You're seeing the Celtics, game six of the second round. They can get back to the conference finals. The Heat are back in the conference finals. On the West, it's a little bit different. You know, no Nuggets, no Lakers. But I do think that, that this Shows that what Jimmy Butler did and what the Heat did that was no fluke. So they are a very good team, and I know, buckets. You've been high on them from the beginning of the season. I do think that that'll be a very good Conference Finals. I do
0: like Milwaukee, though. I'm with you. I think that the winner of the Bucks and Celtics series should be considered the favorite for sure going into the Eastern Conference Finals. But this Miami Heat team, the culture that they install, that you know, a lot of people bring it up. That is the reason. Max Struess was, by the way, he was an afterthought with the Chicago Bulls organization. The Bulls basically just waived him. And now he's a starter on an Eastern Conference finalist. Arguably has been maybe their second, third most important player. And speaking of important players, Jimmy Butler has arguably been the best player in the postseason. I wouldn't go that far because you have Giannis and Luka. But he's been Sensational! 28 points a game this postseason, and after that bubble performance, people were saying, again, fluke this, fluke that. It's not a fluke at all. Jimmy is legit. Yeah,
3: yeah, I'm with you right there, and the Max Struess point is fantastic. I mean, 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists yesterday. You know, he's known as a shooter. His passing gets overlooked. And Jimmy Butler, 28.7 points per game, 7.6 rebounds per game, 5.4 assists, 62% true shooting percentage. You're right. Um, Armon, besides Luca, besides Giannis, he's been that guy. I wouldn't count him out in a seven-game series against the Bucs, Although the Bucks will be the favorite for sure.
2: Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. What 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 this shows is how good that Heat team was, and it, it was kind of a, towards the end of the season when they were kind of like not getting along. There was some infighting. Um, I think that that's healthy. I actually don't have a problem with that. I remember when Draymond and KD got involved, and yes, that, that had something to do with KD leaving, but that helps. That's a growth moment, I think, for these teams.
0: Yeah, I completely forgot about that, but yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Luka Doncic scored 33 points, and the Dallas Mavericks beat the Phoenix Suns 113-86 to on Thursday night to force our first Game 7 yeah. of the playoffs. Can the Mavericks pull the upset and eliminate the number one seed in the league on Saturday?
2: I was thinking of a point that Brandon made in terms of... So now the Suns have put themselves in a position where they have a game seven. And what can happen when you have a game seven? If you have a transcendent talent, if you have a Luka Doncic type who can have a crazy game and go off, they've now put themselves in a very precarious position. Yes, the game will be in Phoenix, but if Luka has a crazy night. I'll take you back when LeBron was still beginning his career and they go to Detroit and at that point the Pistons were the Pistons. They won a championship. They could have won two back to back and LeBron had a LeBron night. Luka can be that guy and so when now you put yourself in this position where you've been the number one team the entire season, not just number one in the West, number one in the entire league. You've now put yourself in a position where Luka Doncic could have one of those games where when we look back at his career and think of him as, you know, and again, he right now, to my view, is top five. But when we look at him as one of the all time greats, you go back to remember that game seven
3: and Brandon, that could happen here. Yeah, um, I had Dallas in seven games. I have the receipts if you want to look back. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen. Phoenix has been so dominant at home. This series has been so up and down. Whoever's home wins by like 20 every single game. It's weird. I do think Luka has 40 plus points, 10 plus assists, 10 plus rebounds. He's starting off his career on a Michael Jordan playoff-type-esque performance, LeBron James-type. He's the next, probably LeBron, a little less athletic. Once he gets the right team around him, he'll probably go to the finals almost every single year. I don't know if it's this year. We'll see. This is going to really test this team's uh, resilience. I really hope the Mavericks win. I had them in seven. Mm -hmm. I do think they will win one road game, and it has to be (laughs) this one, right? But the Suns are tough, man. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Regardless of if Phoenix wins or not, Chris Paul has not been himself at all. I don't know what's yeah. going on. The last four games, he's looked like a, a shell of himself. And now, looking forward, the Suns are relying on Chris Paul and Devin Booker to play like stars. Yeah. Devin Booker is last night maybe not holding up his end of the bargain. But for the most part, Devin Booker has showed up. Chris Paul, if he doesn't show up... Because I think Phoenix is going to win at home. I I I really think that from what we've seen in this series... By the way, it's kind of interesting that this series is going seven... I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer. I haven't really been that entertained. Well, because here's the thing. The games
2: haven't been closed. The games in Phoenix have been blowouts. And so, like, as exciting as it is to have a Game 7, if that's a 20-point game in the second quarter, like, you know, who's
0: going to get pumped up for that? So, you're 100% right. It's strange, but I I do think you guys are spot on. If Luka has that kind of performance, I mean, that would...
3: He has it in him. He just needs Brunson and Dinwiddie to step up. I agree. Completely. We have uh, big game
0: sixes tonight in the NBA with the home team in position to close out the series in both. The Bucks are taking on the Celtics. And the Grizzlies are in Golden State to take on the Warriors. Do you think the road team in either game can force a Game 7 back on their home court?
2: Fascinated by the Grizzlies situation. I know Golden State's all fired up. They're at home. They didn't like the way that those fans were, you know, screaming and chanting and things like that. But this Grizzlies team, and we've, we've talked about this prior to Ja being hurt, their ability to play without him, their ability to win big games without him and play defensively fascinated to see how that goes. I don't think it happens. I think the Warriors close out that series. I also think Milwaukee wins, but of the two, if there's going to be one upset tonight, if there's going to be a game seven, um, I do think the Celtics have a chance because here's the thing. I mean, they had a 14 point lead. Now you could look at it one of two ways that a they should have won. They're going to use that. They're going to come back and win. Or that totally deflated them. They're going back to Milwaukee, and Milwaukee will close out that series. But um, two great game sixes. I do think Milwaukee wins. I think Golden State wins. But I, I like, like I said, fascinated by the way this Memphis Grizzlies team plays w- without jaw. I mean, they are a fantastic team. 50-point lead in the fourth quarter of that game five. It was incredible.
0: That is... I'm very curious to see if that flips the momentum of the series. Yeah. Obviously, Golden State at home is a different animal. I mean, they haven't lost at home yet in the postseason. It's just that kind of win is going to inspire a lot of confidence in the Grizzlies. No. And it could realistically be sent back to Game 7. No. I, I, I also think when you talk about the Celtics and the Bucks, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown... We saw it last night with the Sixers. The Stars have to step up, and I really think that both of them are going to have sensational games tonight. I think Tatum is going to have one of those performances that we were just talking about with Luca. we're going to remember for a while. I still got Giannis, 45 points. That type of game, he is so... Locked in right now. Yeah. You can see it with his with his body language and his demeanor, and I think the Bucks are going yeah, to win. Yeah, he wants he
3: wants to enter the go conversation. He yeah. needs this series. We talked about the series going seven games. I think it obviously favors the Celtics if they go back home. Milwaukee really needs to win tonight. I think they do. It'll be very close, though. Drew Holiday's been the best defender in the NBA this season in Memphis. Yeah, um, that's going to be Golden State needs to win this game. Well, yeah, if it goes back to Memphis, Memphis oh, is winning. Great point. This is a must. <laughs> I mean, it goes without saying, kind of. But, i mean there's no doubt about
2: that that at the like atmosphere at in memphis for those home games is next level so listen generally speaking you'd like to win at home but then if you don't there's a game seven there is no game seven i mean i really think if golden state wants to
0: win they, they gotta, gotta win, tonight. win tonight for sure yep. yep the nfl schedule was released yesterday the first game of the season is going to be the defending Super Bowl champion LA Rams unveiling their championship banner at SoFi Stadium before facing Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills on Thursday, September 8th. The Chargers are going to open up their season 72 hours later at SoFi Stadium against the Las Vegas Raiders in what may feel like <laughs> a home game for the Silver and Black. What stood out about the schedule release for you guys and what matchups? are you most looking forward to? You know, the fascinating
2: thing is, like, how the schedule, like, leaks. Like, you first find out about the first game of the season, then the Christmas Day game, and then, like, these... So I'm glad we have the totality, we have the full schedule, excited for that Thursday night football game, the uh, first game of the season, the Rams playing the Bills. A lot of people are thinking that that could be a preview of the Super Bowl, at least the Bills. I mean, the Bills were one of the heavy favorites to win a year ago. They're back there again excited about that game the the chargers i was really hoping for the chargers that they wouldn't have to like open up the season against the raiders because it's gonna be a sea of silver and black and by the way that that was the case when the chargers were not in los angeles when they were with when they were in san diego that was the uh, the uh, same thing so um The biggest thing for me is that the Rams playing at home against the Bills. They have so many primetime games. SoFi Stadium, the focus on SoFi Stadium is going to be incredible. The number of Thursday night games, Sunday night games, and Monday night games. Again, two of the top five teams, I think, in the league. I mean, not enough is being talked about the Chargers because they are the Chargers. But when you talk about Justin Herbert adding your boy Khalil Mack to the defense, I think they're going to be a fantastic
0: team. I can't wait to see it. I'm personally most excited for I know we talked about this last week, the Christmas Day schedule. Broncos at Rams, yeah. that's going to be fun. And then you got the Buccaneers and the Cardinals. I didn't mention Packers and the Dolphins cuz it might be a little bit of a snoozer, but that's yeah. an early morning game, so we can get yeah. away with that, you know, you're just waking up on Christmas. But Bucks, Cardinals, Broncos, Rams, I'm excited for those two. Rams schedule is going to be intense, but I mean, like you just mentioned, Arash, SoFi Stadium is going to be hosting a lot of good football games this season.
3: Yeah. Look, I'm more excited for the Chargers this season. I really think they have the best roster in the AFC, I tru- other than the Bills. I truly believe that. Justin Herbert, you add in JC Jackson, you add in um, Khalil Mack to go along with, Derwin James, Asante Samuel, Get another year older. And that offense and defense combined, it's all going to be about whether Staley can actually coach yeah. football games because he proved he couldn't do it last year. Yeah, That cost him about three games. So I think they're a 12-13 win team, even in that division. I think Kansas City might be the weakest team in that division. Rams are going to be the Rams. They're going to win 13 mm-hmm. games, 12 or 13 games. It's just going to happen. Them and the Niners are the two easily best teams in that division. Everybody else is not that good. Arizona's had issues. So we'll see. This is going to be a fun year for football, and we could get a Super Bowl. Of the Los Angeles teams. It's definitely possible.
2: Yeah. I was really hoping that we were going to get that a year ago. One of the teams got in. The Rams did. They won. But, yeah. What is more likely? Super Bowl LA style or World Series LA style? World Series right now. But it's hard to repeat. It is very hard to repeat. So, as good as the Rams are and they they did a good job putting together another championship unit, I I, I don't think it's likely that they're going to get back. Um, But... Really hoping for that freeway series and the World yeah, Series. That, yeah. that would be
0: amazing. This is a sad story. Yeah. The lawyer for Brittany Griner said that the debut NBA star uh, pretrial detention in Russia has been extended by one month. Wow. Geez. Griner has been in detention for nearly three months already. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. She was detained at Moscow's airport after vape cartridges containing oil derived from cannabis were allegedly found in her luggage has the country, the NBA, the WNBA, ha- have we done enough to help her out?
2: You know, at least we're talking about it now. I think at the beginning of this, there was a feeling that if we're quiet and we don't raise a lot of noise, then maybe, you know, she'll re- re- she'll return home. At the end of the day, this is absolutely r- ridiculous. I view this as a hostage situation. She, again, vape cartridges, which may have had cannabis. I mean, it's, it's, uh, um, it's absolutely ridiculous that she's been... Uh, been detained there for that long. Um, the league is beginning to do things. Players are beginning to say things. What that actually means, I don't know. Again, she's in Russia, for goodness sakes. I mean, this is not something that that uh, we can have a conversation with, with them. I mean, it, was, it was, it's a really bad situation where there is a war happening. So, Brittany Griner, you know, should be leading sports center, should be talked about that every day. At least we're talking about it now.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I think the root of the issue is the WNBA needs needs to become more popular. I yeah. think it's a great league that needs more fans and needs more money into it. The biggest issue is Griner and these WNBA players in the offseason are going to Russia because yeah. they pay them a point. lot of money that is the issue you go into a hostile country like russia that has a war going on right now and will do anything to screw with americans absolutely anything uh that the biggest issue is the WNBA players they're ballers and they're not getting paid enough and this is something that that that's the root of the issue the grinder thing obviously it's ridiculous it's stupid but what do you expect from russia yeah they're looking for anything to get power over americans especially athletes
0: there's got to be something more, though. Yeah, I I, I mean, I can't agree more. This, this whole situation has been a fiasco. And I can't even imagine what Britney's going through over there. I mean, we don't have any update on her condition. Yeah. If they're feeding her regularly, we don't know anything about it. And that's what makes it so scary. I don't know enough politically to say if is this a prisoner of war type of situation it's hard
2: to say but i mean i think at
0: this point i mean i view her as
2: a hostage prisoner of war because i mean i don't think if this was a normal situation she would have been released released by now and it's absolutely ridiculous at the beginning people wanted to make a correlation between what happened to the ball family in china i was in china with them they got released back to, to their hotel room like that night, yeah. and they were back home within like a week or two. So, I mean, th- this is ridiculous that she's been there three months, and there's no, I, I don't want to say no hope, but, I mean, there, there's no pathway for her to come back tomorrow or soon. Well, hopefully that happens. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by our good friend Michael Duarte from KNBC4 in Los Angeles. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090, hand the fan in Las Vegas.
0: we'll be right back with the Arash markazi show on the mightier 1090 ESPN radio this is the Arash markazi show on the mightier 1090 ESPN radio steel clan
2: Welcome back to the Rosh Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or want tickets or want to win tickets to a future Galaxy game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, joining us now on the Circus Sports guest hotline is our good friend Michael Duarte from KNBC4 in Los Angeles. Michael, how are you?
1: Rosh, I am good. Coming off... uh my, my COVID diagnosis back to 100%. Uh, I'm like Colonel Sanders. I'm feeling extra crispy today. So let's
2: <laughs> I, I love it. Michael, by the way, I mean, you probably noticed this, seen it. Um, when you told me that you had COVID, it was sort of like the beginning of hearing about a lot of people right now. I mean, this wave has been incredible in terms of you know you, you kind of thinking that we're we're past this we we had a game postponed because of covid multiple you know sports journalists who are at the draft in vegas or who have begun to cover things um what have you thought i mean again you know we're we're, we're we're thinking two plus years post the beginning of this that we're kind of in the stretch run and then you get hit with with, with it what what have you thought about kind of this new I don't want to call it a wave, but perhaps it is a wave.
1: Uh, It's like the Dodger fans on a blowout game at the ravine. It's a wave. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's a new wave. And and, and it seems like we have these waves every time they coincide um, with a new variant uh, kind of coming out and hitting the country for the first time. And it seems to kind of expose and penetrate those that are vaccinated and boosted. Um, I'm vaccinated and boosted and it still got me. And this is this new BA two variant that people have been talking about. I believe that is the variant that I got, especially by what I've read about it and the symptoms that I had. It's a little less contagious as the Omicron variant that kind of went around during the Super Bowl time uh, when you and I were always out. And, uh, I know a lot of people that got the Omicron variant and it was more contagious, but less symptoms. Uh, the BA two seemed to have more symptoms, but maybe a little bit less contagious, but also the timing rush, you know, um, I don't remember when it was, but I believe maybe just a month and a half ago, uh, the, uh, federal judge appointed by Donald Trump in Florida completely got rid of all the mask mandates when it came to transportation, public transportation, yeah. we're talking buses, trains, subways, planes, flights. When I flew back from Philadelphia to Los Angeles just a few weeks ago, uh, none of the flight attendants on my flight were wearing masks. I would say 75% of the plane wasn't wearing masks. I know schools now and students are not required to wear masks anymore Uh, at Dodger Stadium uh, just yesterday and even at Staples, excuse me, at Crypto.com Arena for that Kings playoff game. uh, Hardly anybody was wearing masks. So I'm not surprised that this is spreading the way it is that we're having the outbreak uh, that we are. And I think now we've reached a stage in the pandemic where everyone's ready to get back to normal and they're ready to take on these risks. They're ready to get sick. The hope is that now we have enough information, enough medicine out there to not get hospitalized when we do test positive and get sick from from this virus. And uh, it's going to be, I, I believe, moving forward for the long foreseeable future, a personal choice when it comes to things like mask wearing, getting boosted, vaccinated, things like that.
2: Yeah. Um, Michael, the Dodgers, I, I hate to say that they're struggling, but listen, they, they've, they've lost two straight. They've lost three of four. Um, you've been watching them. Again, no one covers them quite like you do and knows like kind of the pulse of the team in the clubhouse. Your thoughts, I mean, is this just... Listen, I mean, it's a long season, but well, your your thoughts on, again, losing two straight in three of the past four games.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that uh, no one covers them quite like me, Arash. I'm like an N95 mask. I cover everything. <laughs> uh, but the Dodgers, the Dodgers more than anything else. And right now, Arash... You know, with this little uh, three-game losing streak, losing three series this season, all to subpar teams, in my opinion, and especially when you're talking about a game last night where the Dodgers were trailing 7-1, to one. they come back, erase that six-run deficit, haunting the Phillies with those visions and nightmares of what happened when they blew uh, a seven-run lead to the New York Mets very recently. But, you know, Dave Roberts right now is busier than a dog with fleas, scratching his head, trying to tell us uh, about all the questionable decisions he made on Thursday night, including leaving his closer, Corey Kniebel, in a tie game in the ninth inning at home in the bullpen, uh, bringing us flashes and memories of that NLDS against the Braves when... um, Juan Urias hit the go-ahead home run with, with uh, Craig Kimbrell on the Braves at the time, sitting in the bullpen with his arms folded, like, what are you guys doing here? Uh, that was the uh, head-scratching decision. Uh, inserting Austin Barnes as a pinch runner at third base, not second base when Justin Turner was there, to pull off a safety squeeze bunt that definitely didn't work and was you know seen from a mile away by the Phillies' side uh, of things on that. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, Daniel Hudson's wild pitch leading to kind of the two runs for the Phillies there. Uh, another head-scratching move by Will Smith to be down on one foot with the bases loaded in that situation to allow that uh, run to score on one knee, excuse me, Will Smith. So, you know, these Dodgers, this is baseball. There's lulls, there's up and downs. And as, uh, as Adrian Gonzalez once told me, a former Dodgers first baseman, now uh, a broadcaster with Spectrum Sportsnet LA, you know, you are only as good as your next day starting pitcher. And that is the same thing when it comes to momentum momentum is only as good as the next day starting pitcher for the Dodgers. They had their worst starting pitching performance of the season on Thursday and Tyler Anderson, you know, uh, Clayton Kershaw is going to take the Hill soon. He's been fabulous this season, almost like a, a, a Renaissance or a resurgence as far as just his ability to dominate again. I know it's early, but it's good signs from Kershaw, especially if he can stay healthy. So Uh, I do expect them to to right the ship here. But it is a little concerning, Arash, uh, when you're losing series to the Pirates and the Diamondbacks uh, and teams like that.
2: So the Dodgers have won twenty games. The other team in town, or at least in the region, the Angels have won twenty-one games. Michael, I've been really—it's uh, been fun to watch this team uh, play. You had the no hitter. You've got Shohei Otani. You got Mike Trout. We talked about this at the beginning of the season. I mean, it could—could could this be finally be the year with all the talent that they have that they're playing into October? Your thoughts on how they've played so far this season?
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Arash. Uh, to quote. Quote the band. We are quote uh, the band's song. We are young. The Angels are fun. They are fun, and that is something that's been exciting to see. Obviously, like you just mentioned, they have a, a rookie in Reed Detmers who threw uh, the team's twelfth no hitter in franchise history, the youngest pitcher to ever throw a no hitter for the Angels, and that includes Nolan Ryan, who threw four of them uh, in in red with the halos. But, you know, we, there's a lot of been talking about about this new dead ball uh, that the Major League Baseball has admitted that they deadened in there now that they kind of are finally taking uh, accountability for the fact that they own the manufacturing company in Costa Rica that makes the balls and that they are actually tinkering with the balls. So they are admitting that the ball has been a little bit dead in this year. This is why we're seeing no-hitters tick up. There was a record nine no-hitters last season. The question will be, do we surpass nine this year? It seems like every single day I get an alert on MLB.com that there's a no-hitter alert, and I got to tune in and watch. So uh, this dead ball, I think, is, is playing in effect, and it, it's playing up for teams like the Angels, where Mike Trout is still crushing the ball. Shohei Atani is still crushing the ball. Uh, Anthony Rendon, whether he's right-handed or left-handed, <laughs> is still crushing the ball. And so that's bode well. And you have a guy like Noah Syndergaard, finally, you know, a really strong pitcher, obviously coming off Tommy John surgery, but he's bolstered that starting rotation. To me, the key for the Angels to keep this run going is going to be what it's always been year after year, and that is health. Yeah, the starting rotation uh, has always been a concern for the Angels, but that's because guys get injured, they come off the rotation, uh, they have better starting pitching this year, but... All that matters is if they stay healthy to continue that going. But right now, they're not the best team in L.A., even though they have a better record. Yeah, no. You know, they're not the team with the highest expectations. They're not the team with stars. They're not the most popular team in L.A. We know that. But right now, I do believe they are the most fun. And when you compare that dead ball part, there was an article written about who the statistics uh, on players that this dead ball will, will hurt. You know, if the ball travels seven to nine feet less in the outfield for guys with launch angles and things like that. Guess who were two of the top five players uh, that article mentioned that this is going to affect? It was Justin Turner and Max Muncie, mm. Both guys struggling a little bit to start the year, especially Max Muncie batting 138 in the cleanup spot for the Dodgers. Uh, it was his bobblehead night on Thursday night. That's typically a night where you hit a home run if you're a Dodger player, right? I mean, Lukey Betts did that earlier. So uh, it didn't work out for Max Muncie. Uh, he's he's still seeing the ball well. He's working his blocks. He just doesn't seem to have that power stroke that he's had in the past when he was hitting 35, 36 home runs year after year. So this dead ball is concerning me for a number of Dodger players, including Cody Bellinger on that list, including Max Muncy, uh, and clearly it's not affecting the Angels.
0: Yeah. Michael, thank you as always for joining us. In terms of the Lakers situation right now, we've had reports by the LA Times about, Bill Jackson's back in town helping out as a consultant. Magic Johnson's helping out. Then you have the coaching search, which gets more and more interesting by the day. Apparently, Doc Rivers might be under consideration now. What is going on with the Lakers, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, you know, right now, this Lakers coaching search and the guys and the people and the the talking heads that are involved in it in the Lakers front office – is deeper than my hand inside of an in and out bag trying to grab the last prize at the bottom, right? We got Terry Stotts now, the favorite, yeah. uh, according to reports, uh, former Portland tra- trailblazers coach as the favorite to become the next Lakers head coach. That to me is a, is a head scratching move. He, he had some success by getting the trailblazers to the playoffs, but never really was able to get them over the top. I'm not sure, uh, what they're seeing in him or why seemingly he's better than what you had in Frank Vogel. Um, Darvin Ham is an interesting name. You, you might go for a guy that's up and coming for a team that, you know, still has Russell Westbrook as of today on the roster, and you need to try to gel these three veterans. Mark Jackson's name is still hanging around. Like you said, what's Doc Rivers' future with the 76ers now that they got eliminated uh, by the Miami Heat in the second round of the playoffs? Uh, that's, you know, there was this clip circulating on Twitter yesterday of Phil Jackson talking about, I believe, the Celtics at the time, which were coached by Doc Rivers, about him saying that Doc Rivers, as a coach, and his teams have the most fourth-quarter collapses than any other team in the NBA. And so he was telling his players, these guys are going to give you the game in the fourth if you go take it from them. So it's interesting that he's uh, considered a 7-1 to second-favorite, third-favorite odds, excuse me. And then Kenny Atkinson's name popped up. That's a guy who, who was the coach of the Brooklyn Nets, a guy I really liked was a young up and coming coach. I didn't think he had a fair shake. That would be interesting to see his name mixed. Uh, And obviously, you know, Nick nurse shot down those rumors. We haven't heard many Quinn Snyder rumors. There's Jay Wright coming out of retirement from Villanova rumors out there. There's John Calipari saying enough with the transfer portal and stuff. Maybe I'll come try my hand at the NBA. Who knows with the Lakers.
2: So Michael, uh, the Kings. The Kings had the ability to close out uh, last night when their first playoff series since uh, 2014 did not happen. We get a big Game 7 in that series Saturday night. Your thoughts on the atmosphere? I thought it was fantastic. I had 2012, 2013, 14 vibes last night. It was a great atmosphere. The good thing for the Kings is that the, that the road team has won four times so far. Uh, they could make it five on Saturday. Your thoughts on the uh, Kings, Michael?
1: Yeah, you know, I think both – it was very interesting rush because I was at the Kings game on Thursday night. I started at the Dodgers game for their pregame media availability, left early to get to the Kings game. Uh, ironically, I thought the Dodgers game was going to end when it was a blowout before the Kings game, but I was able to get to the Kings, do some postgame, and run over the Dodgers uh, and make it just as the game was ending. So I was able to be at both of them, and the reason why I say that is not to brag – uh, they're not too far away from each other, as you know there. But, but but the reason I say that is because both games seem to mirror each other in a very weird, terrible way, right? Uh, they go down early. It looks like it's over. They both mount comebacks. They tie the game at yeah. some point late. And then inevitably you know, end up blowing it a little bit. Uh, for the Kings, that was a huge opportunity, especially when you came back in that game 2-2, uh, to really, really probably put doubt uh, and some danger, in my opinion, in the hearts and minds of the Edmonton Oilers players. Uh, and then, obviously, with that third goal, the um, Vander Kane goal, I believe, was the third goal. Not two, Actually, no, no, it was not the third. Uh, Kane's goal was not the third goal. It was... Uh, it was it was, uh, Barry's was the third goal. The one that ended up being the game winning goal. Ultimately, uh, Kane had the open netter to end it. But to me, you had a chance to step on their throats and step on their necks when you came back. And to your point, yeah. Uh, what was it? 30 seconds into the third period, you tie the game. And at that point, Staples center was rocking. And that first goal they got at the end of the second period to make it two one really to me, got the crowd back into it. I did, they kind of seemed dead down to zero, yeah. you know, so early and, and they came alive, and it was you're right, it was reminiscent of those 2012-2014 Cup runs. And to your point, the last time the Kings got out of the first round of the playoffs was that 2014 yeah. Cup run. They've lost from the first round or missed the playoffs entirely since then. So they definitely missed an opportunity to close out the series tonight. The good thing is they've proven they can win in Edmonton. They've already won two of three in Edmonton. But they need to jump out. The team that has scored the first goal in this series, Arash, has won all six games. So that tells me Kings need to jump out early, score. In my opinion, they need a similar game as they had, not necessarily in game one where it was kind of back and forth, but as they had there in game five, where you can can jump out to a 3-0, 3-1 lead late in the third, put all the pressure on the Oilers. I think they might collapse, and I think Kings can advance.
3: yeah, thank you again, Michael, for being here. I know we've been having a good time talking about the local teams. There's been a huge national um microscope on James Harden and what happened last night with the 76ers. Let me just tell you one statistic for James Harden this season. With the foul calls being changed over the past year, he shot four he had an EFG, an effective field goal percentage, which take takes into takes into account threes. Um at like and twos not free throws 48.5 which is abysmal for a guard wasn't shooting the ball well his playmaking was good he didn't show up in this series all all by one game so what are your thoughts on what happened last night he's gonna opt into his contract but what's the future of the 76ers team and like Armand mentioned earlier Doc Rivers being another candidate for the Lakers is a head scratcher for me too just like Terry Stotts
1: yeah, that's a great question. You know, and obviously, what what the headline we're hearing today on Friday is is that quote from Joel Embiid that he's not the same player he was in Houston, uh, and and he's not. And I'm glad that you brought up what what you did, which is that James Harden is is one of the just as I mentioned, the dead ball in baseball is affecting guys like Joey Votto, Max Muncie, Justin Turner. It, it, the change in the free throw rule where you can't, you know, get a guy up in the air and then get that call every time is absolutely affecting James Harden. James Harden and part of what made him a uh, an MVP was because he got to the free throw line more than anybody else. Half his points came from the free throw line. So, I didn't actually think he had a very terrible game last night. He still had, you know, 11 points, 9 assists, but that's not the numbers we're used to seeing from James Harden. Now, we're also talking about a guy that came over halfway through the season. To me, what really hurt the Philadelphia 76ers in this series was the fact that you don't have Joel Embiid, uh, the runner-up for the MVP this season, out with a fractured face, uh, an orbital fracture near his eye in the first two games of the series when you're on the road, when you need to steal one of them to make it a series. That was tough for them. But obviously, you had this Ben Simmons cloud hanging over this team for the majority of the season, doesn't end up playing a, a single second on the court, whether it was with the Sixers or when he eventually got traded to the Nets, And that was what really hurt the Sixers and their chances of actually being a contender this year. Uh, I don't think we're going to see the same numbers offensively as far as points per game, as far as being, uh, you know, up there for the, for the point toil to the belt that LeBron was trying to compete with. I think Joel Embiid actually ended up winning this year uh, ever again with the new free throw rule. But James Harden can still be a valuable contributor. He can still pull a game out of his bag, speaking of me in an in-and-out bag with fries at the bottom. He can still go deep in his bag and pull out a game like he did, I believe, in game uh, four of the series. So he can still do that. When I was looking at that series, I looked at a guy like Tyrese Maxey, by the way, who shot one from seven from three. He seemingly didn't show up at all uh, in, in the game before that in the series, and he was a team-worst minus 24 yesterday for the Sixers. So I, I look at a guy like him who just doesn't seem to be ready to take that next step where you're consistently putting up those numbers every single night. Uh, he struggled in both Game 5 and Game 6, both losses that got the Sixers team eliminated, uh, and that's what I look at for them. And then to go to the Doc Rivers side of things, you know, Arash will contest with this because he and Doc are pretty close. And, and we love Doc as a person. Don't get me wrong. Doc is one of the greatest uh, coaches out there to get a soundbite from, to ask a question about, to interview. But it just seems like he's, you know, unless you had the big three in Boston, like he had that very, very first year when they gelled together and were able to beat the Lakers, uh, who just didn't seem like the Lakers were ready to win a championship yet. They had just traded for Paul Gasol a couple months earlier that year. Uh, he really hasn't proven to me he has that championship pedigree in the sense that he can do it over and over and over again uh, and and get to the finals almost every time. Uh, he does seem to be outcoached at times uh, as far as his, his substitutions, as far as his ability to make adjustments in-game, uh, and this is just another early exit for Doc Rivers. So to your point, yeah, uh, I don't know why you bring him to a team like the Lakers um, unless you just think Doc Rivers can kind of right the ship and, and get all those egos to play and get them back into the playoffs. Doc Rivers can definitely do that. I'm not sure he's a guy that's going to win you a title. Thank you so much, Michael. You are the best. Glad to hear that you're
2: feeling well. Uh, looking forward to seeing you soon, my friend. Thank you
1: so much as always. Anytime, Rush. Enjoy the rest of your show and have a, Good Friday the thirteenth, everybody. That's so right. All you, uh, <laughs> pedestrians out there, be careful.
2: That's right. Happy Friday the thirteenth. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, "Stay safe, stay healthy."
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.